This episode of Awards Chatter is brought to you by Universal Television, presenting Girls 5 Eva. Girls 5 Eva follows a one-hit wonder 90s girl group who attempts a comeback while hilariously navigating family and relationships, plus the joys and pains of middle age. The show stars Sarah Bareilles, Renee Elise Goldsbury, Paula Pell, and Busy Phillips. Don't miss the series critics call the funniest show on television. Girls 5 Eva is now streaming on Netflix and is for your Emmy consideration for Outstanding Comedy Series and all other eligible categories. Hi everyone and thank you for tuning in to episode 59 of Awards Chatter, the Hollywood Reporter's Awards podcast. I'm the host Scott Feinberg and this is a very special episode in which our guest is not an Oscar, Emmy, or Tony contender, but rather a living legend, Gina Lola Brigida. In her youth, Lola Brigida was one of the biggest and most beautiful movie stars in the world. La Lolo, as she was nicknamed, was born in Rome and was a product of Americans' post-World War II interest in all things international, including the more sexy and naturalistic films coming out of Europe generally and Italy specifically. A contract with Howard Hughes, who unsuccessfully courted her, kept her from working in Hollywood for a while, but Hollywood quite happily came to her when quotas and tax laws resulted in a surge of American-Italian co-productions. Lola Brigida eventually did come to Hollywood, though, and made a major impression. Humphrey Bogart, her co-star in 1953's Beat the Devil, said she, quote, made Marilyn Monroe look like Shirley Temple, close quote. And Monroe told her directly, quote, here they call me the American Lola Brigida, close quote. Her films, which included 1953's Bread, Love, and Dreams, 1956's Trapeze, 1959's The Hunchback of Notre Dame, and 1961's Come September, are less remembered than she is for her stunning looks, her forceful personality, and her resilience. Now 87, she was making a rare trip from Rome to L.A. to attend the TCM Classic Film Festival when I corralled her for an interview in the penthouse of the Hollywood Roosevelt Hotel. As you'll hear for yourself, she remains as sharp as a tack and as spirited as ever, discussing her dark youth, her rise to fame, her 60-year feud with Sophia Loren, how the Anouk Amey part in La Dolce Vita got away from her, and her outlook today. She retired from acting in 1997, 50 years after her film debut in Italy, but, excitingly, she tells us that a certain director could convince her to make a comeback. So, without further ado, let's go to that conversation. Senora Lola Rigida, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. Thank you for coming on. It's a pleasure for me. Well, how are you enjoying your visit right now? You're back in Hollywood. What does it feel like? I feel strange to be uh, in front of the camera again <laughs> because <laughs> it's, it's a years. long, long time. Yeah. Yes. We want to talk about your whole amazing life and career. So just for the record, where were you born and raised and what was your childhood like? Born uh, near Rome, mm-hmm. but uh, during the war, obviously, we lost everything and uh, we tried to uh, go to Florence, but it was a uh, the German, they were going away, and the American were almost coming. But we were so afraid of the bomb. We slept uh, probably one week with the bombing, and mm-hmm. we thought that uh, Subiaco would be like a casino. So we were afraid. And then we tried to go to Florence. We didn't even arrive in 12 days. We stopped uh, near Todi. And I had always a little book doing some drawings. And I remember I was doing the bridge, taught in one uh, home uh, on the street. 
we slept, uh, and uh, the bridge blow up with a, a, a mina. Yeah. A mine, yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, after the war, your family came back to Rome, right? Yes, as a refugee. Yes. I mean, we're, uh, we were disturbed, and we find uh, a home, but uh, two family. So we share the kitchen. Mm-hmm. We had one room, six people. I had three sisters, so with me, which before, mm-hmm. my father and my mother. <laughs> it was not easy. No. But uh, I must say that uh, my family believed very strongly that I would become uh, an artist. Mm-hmm. They were ready to do anything to help me. So the two sisters, they worked on the cinema with the lights. Yes, Usher. So we got some little money. So I could study at the beginning at l'Accademia di Belle Arti mm-hmm. in Rome. And it was while you were there that somebody saw you and asked you to act for the first time, right? Yes, when I was going out from the school, yes, they stopped me and they asked me if I could uh, do the movies, and I said no. At that time, I didn't have the concept of what cinema was. I thought that was not art. Mm-hmm. For me, art was painting, music, singing, writing, mm-hmm. but not movies. <laughs> Obviously, after I learned that <laughs> the too. movie is a fantastic direct art yes. with public. And the difference is that with the movie is so direct that you can be a star in a very short time. And that was really the case for you in a sense, right? Because you first started out in these small roles. And and then I met De Sica and that made the difference. And that's because De Sica, how was he able to help you? My God. He was uh, like a magician with uh, actors because what he was asking me, even if I had to go on a wire walk, I would have done, Mm -hmm. was uh, a chemistry between me and him. We liked each other very much. And uh, the first movie important that I did with him was Bread, Love and Dreams. Of course. And I tell you, (laughs) Bread, Love and Dreams, uh, they know by heart uh, all over Europe. Amazing, yeah. And in Italy, they really, you know, consider me like if it was the best film in my life and was just the beginning. It was the first of the, and I mean, you were nominated for a BAFTA award, I believe, and you were suddenly hugely popular. Uh, Yes, he breaks the records uh, in Italy. Yes. Then uh, they wanted to do another you know, like uh, James Bond the second. Yeah, yeah. I said, okay, because uh, he asked uh, the Sika. The second also break the records of the first one. This is bread, love, and jealousy. And, and jealousy, yes. yes. And uh, then uh, I said, no, basta. No more, yeah. <laughs> and now, just going backwards for one second, in between when you were seen at the Academy and when you did... Red Love and Dreams, there were seven years in between, I think. Because 1946 was when you were 
scene at the Academy. Is that right? And then mm-hmm. Bread, Love, and Dreams, I think, was 1953. Yeah, was, yes. So in between, though, you... I was just an extra. Just an extra. And I did it because we needed money. Sure. For my mother. But first I said no. Right. But then when they begged me, they said, we give you 1,000 lira. I said, okay. <laughs> also in that time between, you first heard from somebody named Howard Hughes. And I wonder, how did he know about you and how did you end up coming to America? I didn't know about him. Mm -hmm. I had one letter who called, I don't know what. He wanted me to do a test Mm -hmm. for eventually do a film in Hollywood. He saw one picture of me in bikini that my husband did. I married in uh, 49. Mm -hmm. Then uh, he saw one first movie that I did as uh, the star of the movie. But actually, when uh, they asked me to do the first role, then I said, no, thank you. I don't want to do this career. Mm -hmm. I had in mind uh, painting, uh, sculpturing, uh, or singing, because I had a very good voice. The trouble was that uh, some teacher, they said, you are a mezzo-soprano. Some other, they said, I am a a soprano, lyrical. (laughs) Some others, they said, you are a soprano leggero, because my voice was a a very big uh, range. range. (laughs) So it was difficult uh, to choose. But then, you know, I started to do the movies, but uh, actually when uh, the offers they were more important, like uh, Bread, Love and Dreams with uh, the Sika, and was a nice character that uh, was me, you, you know, more. with the same uh, character. <laughs> so you came for two and a half months, I think, and he was famously, you know, uh, aggressive. And I just wonder for you, though, was it an interesting time or were you just ready to go back to Italy? First, uh, you know, he mentioned uh, two tickets because I was married. Then after a little while, it was just one ticket. (laughs) So my husband uh, said, oh, but you can go even alone because he trusted me. And uh, he said, I don't want that one day you will reproach me that I didn't let you do a career in the movies. So I went. He made me stop first in New York because Los Angeles was too far. Of course. I remember I was uh, in, uh, he said, the stop on the Waldorf Tower. So I went there. They looked at me. They said, there is no room. Oh, my God. So I went to the phone and uh, he said give the presidential suite <laughs> and I had the presidential suite after any time I was in New York Wow! Wow! then sometimes was a president uh, <laughs> of some country <laughs> so I moved in an apartment just near but it happened that uh, one time was uh, one president uh, uh, Nixon Later, yeah okay of course, I said, oh, no, give to Nixon, yeah, oh, yeah. please. <laughs> and they gave it to me, the apartment, close. Right. The other people, they had to go away on right. the same floor. So they even said that perhaps uh, he was, uh, I don't know, a lover or I don't <laughs> know what. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was funny. So the two and a half months in Los Angeles, at the end of that, you go back, but you have now signed 
a contract with Howard Hughes that was problematic, right? It was... Uh, Actually, when I arrived, my English was not uh, so great, and uh, he taught me a little English. The first, the bad words. <laughs> that was uh, very funny. Right. And then uh, he liked very much to play the scene that I was supposed to make uh, for text. And the scene was a, a kind of a relation of a divorce that, uh, you know, I had to divorce. Right. And uh, <laughs> he was uh, like to play the scene with me. Right. <laughs> he, <laughs> like he, had his goal. he had a goal yeah, there. Because yeah. uh, strangely, I was seeing him every day. He had greater hopes for what your relationship might become. Yes, <laughs> uh, I remember I had uh, a villa right. with a swimming pool, but uh, I was afraid, uh, I don't know, you know, uh, being alone there. So I was in a Tan House Hotel, much far away from uh, Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had uh, a chauffeur ready all day long, <laughs> a secretary, <laughs> and uh, I was controlled all the time, right. and I could see just him for two months and a half. That's tough, yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> he, he worked very heavily. Aggressively, yes. Yes, and also he could, uh, besides the text of a divorce dialogue, mm -hmm. when I was in the airplane, he said to me one day, don't take a big hat, we're going out. He didn't explain. And we went to Palm Springs and Las Vegas. And he was flying. And he was... Uh, the pilot. Yeah, the pilot. <laughs> I remember when we came back between uh, Las Vegas down and going up was a big difference. So he had trouble with the airplane. Oh, my God. I was <laughs> scared. scared. <laughs> but uh, he managed with this uh, airplane that was an airplane of uh, not elegant. Yes. Uh, just uh, for the last... Two uh, engine or whatever, uh, yeah. War. Yes. So because he could not have you, he did not want anyone else in America to have you write. So the contract that you had to agree to basically made it difficult for you to work in Hollywood for the next several years, right? Seven uh, years? He tried, wherever I was in Europe, he sent lawyers to talk to me, to convince me to go back. And he had money, so much money, that no one could be able to get me with this kind of money <laughs> because they were too much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, try to convince me. Yeah. And I was instead waiting the seven years so that I could come to America because he was angry that uh, in spite of the contract he couldn't get me. Right. So he was so persistent and uh, sending all the lawyers, uh, the lawyers, uh, they were playing tennis with my husband. <laughs> You know, for seven years. And uh, finally, it ended the contract. He couldn't make uh, lawsuits in Europe. Right. But uh, if I would have come to United States, 
probably, you know, he would say, you can't use this girl. So what was very important was that at that same time, there was this increase in the number of Hollywood Italian co-productions, yeah, right? Yeah. And you were the star of many yes. of them. Yes, uh, yes. I mean, was Beat the Devil, was that the first one that was English language that you uh, were a part of? Yes, uh, Beat the Devil, yes. It was a Selznick uh, producing it, yeah. Jennifer Jones' husband, mm-hmm. Bogart. Bogart. And uh, Truma Capote as writer, my God. <laughs> and we had uh, Robert Kappa as my photographer, so I learned by the best. Wow. You know. Wow. They laughed, they had a good time. But uh, in the evening, they started to fight each other, not for fight, but just for joke. <laughs> and I remember Robert Kappa one time with a ping pong. Raketa, you know, yes, yes. gave to the head of uh, John Huston, and I said <laughs> he killed him because uh, you know it was a, a joke that was uh, <laughs> too oh much heavy. But uh, anyhow, we had a very good time. Yeah. But when uh, the film went out, they didn't like it. They said, "What the hell? This is a, a color movie done in black and white." And after the success of Bread, Love and Dreams, they didn't accept it. And after, I think, 10 years, you know what was very strong, modern dialogue with uh, Truman Capote? Yes. And uh, they understood after. And is a masterpiece. Yeah, now people after. love it. Yeah. yeah. By the way, when you came to America for the premiere of Bread, Love and Dreams, you were introduced, I believe, to another very beautiful woman, right? Marilyn, yes. And what was that meeting like? What did she have to say? I was very surprised because she looked very timid. She was afraid to have a photograph with me, but she was so beautiful, but very timid, not sure of herself. And uh, the first thing I remember she said to me, she said, they call me the Gina Lolo Brigida American. <laughs> you know, that was so cute. That's great. <laughs> and they tried the press to make like a war between me and her, but we liked each other. Right. And uh, later when I went to Hollywood, I became very close to her. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, I remember I saw her crying. She was not very strong, unfortunately. Right. Why do you think it is that the press often tries to create these feuds? I mean, the other one, obviously, that everybody always reported about, I don't know if it was true or not, but was obviously you and Sophia Loren. And the only thing I ever heard about that was that the third Bread Love and movie, I heard that they could no longer afford to work with you, and so that's how she got into it. Is that true? Yes, I refused, I didn't want it. And uh, so they tried to do uh, the film with her, and uh, she needed publicity. I never helped publicity. So, these uh, rivals things it ended uh, by god after 50 years you and say, that was very boring uh, stuff and, and i didn't like that is it over you guys are friends like how is it today actually we don't see each other right. i'm a, a very natural 
person, very sincere. So I prefer to shut up because uh, I would say things that probably, you know, it's better not to say. <laughs> Anyhow, she succeeded. The Ponti did a lot for oh, her. Carlo Ponti, yeah. yeah. I did a completely different uh, career because uh, I wanted to have success not with the help, not uh, with uh, money, not with publicity, not uh, paying uh, an article. Uh, I was always trying to avoid publicity. Right. I tried not to act, but to live the character that I had to do. And uh, even the writers, they respect me a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, they asked for uh, help from me. And everything I was telling them, they were very happy and say thank you. I've been reading a lot of the articles from the archives. I've been able to go back and read to prepare for this. And I see that Hedda Hopper and these people loved you. And as Americans, though, got to know you more and more from these co-productions, the, you know, Cross Swords with Errol Flynn and on and on, it was a different kind of beauty than they were accustomed to because I think after the war, you know, Europe was more comfortable with sexuality and physical beauty and it was very different, wasn't it? And so when Americans discovered you, they had never seen anything like that, right? (laughs) I was uh, surprised because uh, I started and uh, I immediately I mean, I had, in 51, I had the cover of Life magazine. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the the cover of Time, I had the 54. Yes. I met when I came here, besides uh, uh, Marilene Eisenhower. (laughs) You know, I entered to the White House uh, like it was my home. (laughs) And uh, all the secretary, they were looking uh, around the offices. You know, they were all looking at me. They were very curious. And uh, (laughs) I was very shocked to see Eisenhower. (laughs) (laughs) So when you then were asked to play in a movie called The Most Beautiful Woman, a lot of people would be intimidated by that. That's a very major statement, but you had fun with it, right? Yes, because of my voice, I could uh, sing, but the producer said to me in the middle of the film, you know, Lina Cavalieri was the story of the singer that was a beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. She sang with Caruso in uh, Metropolitan, so said, it would be great if uh, you sing to something opera. I said, are you crazy? said, try. <laughs> so I said, okay, I try. If uh, it's bad, uh, we can cut. Okay. So he said, sing Visi Darte of La Tosca. <laughs> but when I went for record with the Italian, in, in Rome, in the opera, 50 workers. The, the, orchestra, the, yeah. Uh, orchestra. Yeah. I mean, they look at me like say, what the hell she, <laughs> she, she wants to do here? <laughs> you know, and yeah. then was uh, the tenor hear the voice. My God, you know, I was so intimidated. I right. said, I can't make it. <laughs> But at the end, you know, they pushed me, you know, in front of the microphone. (laughs) 
And then I started, I said, I, you know, I tried to do my best. Right, right. I did it so well that the orchestra didn't even let me finish the last note that they applaud. <laughs> so it was, uh, you know, a good sensation. Absolutely. That even if Bernstein yes. tried to get me, he came to Italy. He said, I want this woman doing some show in New York. And he came with uh, Lucchino Visconti, mm. you know, to have some help, you know, to convince me. And didn't Maria Callas also say something My to you? God, yeah, right? Maria Callas said, is it really your voice? I said, yes, <laughs> yes, it was me. She couldn't believe it. That's great. Another big movie that I think people love to go back and watch is Trapeze. And yeah. that came, I know that Burt Lancaster was the producer and the co-star, and this was just right after his movie... Marty that he produced had won the Oscar so he was uh, on top of the world but you did not like when he tried to tell other people how to act right yes I mean uh, I have always respect especially when you have the chance to have a good director like Carol Reed yes and uh, I felt sorry for him because Lancaster was trying to do his job but uh, I said it will be probably my turn, uh, and uh, it came. You know, he, <laughs> he directed all the other actors, and finally, he tried with me. And then I said, I stopped him immediately. <laughs> I said, I'm sorry, uh, Mr. Lancaster, but I'm here to be directed by Carol Reed. <laughs> he was shocked, but after a little while, yeah. he realized that he was wrong. Yeah, yeah. and so we went along. Uh, and uh, the film was okay. How about The Hunchback of Notre Dame? Was that playing, you know, Esmeralda? It's a great part, right? Oh, la, la. With Anthony Quinn. Yeah, again, you know, uh, I tried in all of the work I did as an actress, as a photographer, as a sculpture, always to do strongly the best. In Notre Dame was a fantastic role. And I think that this movie deserves to be seen again from the public. Yeah. It's a masterpiece. Yeah. yeah. And the director was... Uh, the director was more than okay. Yes. The Lanois. <laughs> the Lanois. And uh, I had to do the dance. And uh, by God, you know, I was not a dancer. But I said, I must do the dance. It was very important for me. So I called uh, Leonid Massin, you know. <laughs> as you do. As you know, <laughs> I, I, everything I was saying yeah. that made sense, they said to me, okay. So I had Leonid Massin for two months <laughs> teaching me. I mean, this uh, oh, that's incredible. God yeah, yeah. of dancer. And uh, the music, I had the president of the musician in Paris. And I said, I don't like the music. (laughs) And I bring to Paris Piero Piccioni, that was a good friend of mine, a fantastic musician, but uh, he had some trouble. They thought that uh, he killed a woman. So I was so sorry for him. And was just uh, a politic... Yeah. 
uh, yeah, bad so, business. Yeah, yeah. So he came, and uh, you know, when uh, the producers in Paris they saw Pierre Riccioli, they said, "You are with a." Criminals? I said, yes. Yes. <laughs> For the first time, I tell you, Leonid Massin and Piero Piccioni, they worked together. You can imagine, for every step, the music, and they did a fantastic uh, piece of art. Yes, yes. Another one that people always talk about still, I think, is Solomon and Sheba. And to play Queen of Sheba is, uh, again, one of these grand Fantastic things, right? character, yes. Yeah. I think the thing that people sometimes forget is that you guys had shot, I think, three quarters of the movie when Tyrone Power passed away suddenly, and so you had to go do it all over again, right? Yes. We stayed in Spain for a month. Uh, we were shocked. I loved Tyrone Power. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. was great. And... Uh, we were on a roulotte talking mm-hmm. and uh, I was worried for some uh, dialogue and uh, he said to me, don't worry, life is going on anyhow. And then uh, he went down on a roulotte and say, he waves me like say, don't worry, be happy. Mm-hmm. And then he tried to go to his roulotte that was nearby, and he couldn't. He, he was sick. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, uh, not even 10 minutes, they tried uh, in the roulotte to give something, mm-hmm. and it was even a wrong uh, thing that uh, he got. Resuscitation, yeah. And uh, then he started to breathe for the, for the last time, you know, with difficulties. Mm-hmm. And the car was not there. So I said, take my car. Mm-hmm. And so they took him in the car. And just when they put in the car to go to the hospital, he died. Mm. So you were there when this happened. Yeah. Um, so it's a... Very sad. An, yeah. an emotion. Yeah. Terrible. And then after one month, I was... Uh, Jul Brunner came. Yes. I didn't like very much. No. <laughs> <laughs> and this was also the last movie that King Vidor ever did. Right? Uh, I don't yeah. think he ever made another movie. He was, uh, you know, strangely, uh, some people die ahead of time. Not when they die, mm-hmm. but just that mentally yeah. they don't uh, make sense anymore. Mm-hmm. So we had to do the film. Yeah. So with Yul uh, Brunner, sometimes uh, in the morning we had to almost tell him where to put the camera. King Vidor, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. But uh, he was very rude. Uh, <laughs> King Vidor. Yul Brunner. Oh, Yul Brenner. <laughs> yeah. He was... I tried gently, you know. And sometimes uh, he had to do practically, Yul Brunner, the scene to say to uh, King Vidor, or sometimes if uh, he was not there, I had to do the <sighs> same thing. So at the end, I didn't believe that probably was a, a good movie. Because we directed, right. <laughs> but instead right. was a fantastic yes. success. Yeah, I have to ask you about working with Rock Hudson in Come September because 
that's another one that was so well received. You win a Golden Globe, most popular female international yeah. star. It's fantastic great. director. Robert Mulligan. He did To Kill a Mockingbird also, right? Yeah. The yeah. next year. And it was a wonderful story. Yeah. And I remember that uh, was also two other actors that uh, they liked each other. They married very famous Sandra Dee and... Uh, Bobby Darren. Yes. What about Rock Hudson? I mean, I think that obviously you talk about people who ended up dying too young. He was somebody, though, that you really liked working with? I think was one person that uh, you had to like him because he was so gentle mm-hmm. and so wonderful actor. It was a person that uh, I will never forget. He was a great actor. Mm-hmm. A great human being but at that time uh, probably was some publicity that uh, probably I don't know that uh, he uh, could be uh, gay and uh, so the producer to try to cover it up uh, he made him marry the secretary when you were working with him was it known to his no he friends? was uh, a completely normal uh, person mm-hmm. I tell you, and because uh, you man, had some love scenes with him, I mean, there's the movie has some. Not only that, but yeah. I think also Elizabeth Taylor would have give her heart yes. to help him. Yes, yes. Uh, but true. you know, sometimes in life there is something wrong, and uh, you go another direction. You know. I heard a story. I don't know if this is true. If it's true, I think you may have some strong opinions about this. But were you offered the Anouk May part in La Dolce Vita? Oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> I had the best offers, but I couldn't do all of them. Mm-hmm. And I, actually, for that role, my husband read the script, and he thought, that shit, you know. <laughs> but Fellini, he was doing the movie on the set, you know, it was not like uh, some other director that uh, had to be the right script. Right. No, he was doing the script, the, the improvisation, everything at the set. So your husband wasn't so wrong. So my husband uh, <laughs> yeah. didn't think of that. Right. So he never th- taught me right. that I actually refused. And uh, Fellini was very upset about that. But uh, then uh, he loved me again yes. because uh, I, I finally I told the story that was not my fault. Yeah. <laughs> I read that you know you don't have very many regrets, but one of them is that you were not able to be directed by Fellini, Antonioni, Visconti. Antonioni had tried to work with you on the Lady of the Camellias. Yeah, but then I heard that uh, instead of being a German. They became Italian. Uh, how you can make uh, the German and Italian uh, change? So I was worried. I didn't know what uh, could be the, the movie. So I said, it's too dangerous. And I uh, had to escape. Mm-hmm. So I said, perhaps if I nose break down, it works, you know, saying, I, I'm sorry, but I can't do it sure. because I feel sick. Yes. <laughs> it's what I was trying, so I asked, what should I do? And uh, 
So when I came in Italy, I tried to act like uh, an ill person because uh, I didn't want to do it. Yes. <laughs> and then uh, Dino De Laurentiis said, you have to do it, you have the contract. But I act so well, the nurse breakdown, then he said to me, please be careful, try to save yourself, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and That's funny. in spite of that, yeah. I was sick because I was eating very little mm -hmm. in uh, Hollywood and I was very thin. Yes, yes. <laughs> But yeah. when I saw the movie with uh, Lucia Bosset, he changed the script. So I said, damn it. <laughs> If I had that script, Then I would have done, done it. Yeah. <laughs> so you won your second Donatello, which you had previously won first for The World's Most Beautiful Woman, then for Venere Imperiale. And I wonder, this was now 1963, is that a, that's like the Oscar of Italy, the Donatello? Oh, I got the collection <laughs> of uh, David. Yeah. I got the first one, I got, I think, seven. <laughs> But uh, for uh, Imperial Venus, I think is my best movie. Really? Yeah. The best movie or your best performance? Uh, the best performance. Yeah. Can you tell if somebody hasn't, for somebody who hasn't is, seen it? Yes. It was the story of the sister of Napoleon. And uh, actually, in France, there is the real story. The brother loved Paulina very badly. That is the real story. And uh, was the best trip I ever had. And uh, the producer, Rizzoli, I mean, big shot, I mean, you know, very important producer, he tried to make economy. I said, no way. You have to do the script I accept. Mm -hmm. You can't change. Mm -hmm. And uh, then uh, it happened that one uh, stupid journalist did a very bad story on me. And so I had to sue the main newspaper that, uh, of him. In Italy? Yeah. yeah. And also I said, I will do the movie but I want the script as it was, that was a jewel, yeah. done by Castellani, that was uh, supposed to be the director, but then uh, he waited uh, for the case and uh, we, we lost Castellani, but Delanois did a fantastic movie. Yeah. Anyhow, the story, finally, I got as I wanted, because uh, when you have a, a jewel of a script, I mean, to cut it for a, a little money is a silly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The last of the movies, I have to ask you, uh, Buona Sera, Mrs. Campbell, people, if they, even if they haven't seen this movie, which they should, they will know the story because it was later turned into Mamma Mia, the yeah. musical. It turned to Mamma Mia, but it was a completely different story. Different, yeah. They offered me at the beginning a musical but uh, also there they changed the story and they made uh, the character of the fiancé the main uh, role and was wrong mm -hmm. 
because the story was me with the three Americans, that they were the father of my daughter. That was the story. Right. I don't know why they changed the probably they didn't have the rights. Yes. I don't know. Yes. Because yeah. they didn't make a better story. Right, right. right. I think that uh, the musical was a success, I thought the movie. Right, right, right. So you retired from acting, I believe, in 1997. That was 50 years after your first. We were talking earlier, and you were saying that if the right person came along... I wouldn't say no. You wouldn't say no. So who are the people that today, when you look at the movies being made today, who are the people that you hold in the highest regard who you would, if they called you up and said... Senora Lola Brigida, we beg you to come be in our movie. Who would you come out of retirement for? Spielberg. Uh, there are some others, but... Yeah. Did you lose interest in acting, or you just had so many other interests? Beautiful photography, a lot of humanitarian work, which I think about hunger, maybe because that's what you had dealt with during the war, but a lot of other interesting, diverse things. But, you know, when you are a designer, when you are talented for uh, painting, for uh, drawings, you know how to do many things. Another thing that I could have done is to be stylist for uh, fashion. And I succeed in New York to have, uh, uh, that I could have done, uh, but... uh, then I realized that being a, a designer for a fashion, you have to do just that. You can do nothing else because it's very heavily uh, in life uh, to do something else. I wanted to be free to do many things. So I thought if I keep on movies, is okay. Uh, that I could do uh, photography, I can do sculpture. So. I also had the offer to be a singer. And again, my God, you know, a singer has to concentrate on singing and nothing else. But I could have been a fantastic singer. Sure. And I had offers, my God. (laughs) As I say, I've, I've been reading a lot of these great articles from over the years about you. And one of the things that struck me is that what many of them will talk about how impressed they were with your great beauty and all of that. Today, it's sort of, people feel it's almost politically incorrect to talk about a woman's physical appearance. How do you feel about that aspect of things today where some of the articles could not be written today? Unfortunately, we should have go ahead and have respect to women that can have even a brain better than a man. They should think that a woman can do better than a man. But it's very difficult still today to make a step ahead for a woman. I would like uh, to see Clinton to be the president of the United States. Me too. I think that would be great. I love her. (laughs) And I think she's very talented. Absolutely. And... Has Italy had a female leader yet? I don't know. <laughs> no. Not yet, no. Both countries need to do better. It's, I think yeah. it's crazy, and soon. But my last question is this. We are now 70 years from the year that you were first spotted coming out of the 
Art Academy and asked to be in a movie for the first time. And obviously, as we are seeing here at the Turner Classic Movies Film Festival, there are tons and tons of people out there of all ages who are still watching and loving your work and excited that you're here. So I wonder, how does it feel to know that you have made things that are going to outlive all of us? You know, when we're all gone, people are still going to be talking about Gina Lillibrigida and the movies that she made and all of that. How does that feel? I am very grateful because sometimes I'm really moved when I am with the public because they say thank to me that I gave to them so beautiful moments. They cry. When I am even in uh, Russia, in uh, some place where I think I'm completely unknown, they applaud me like if they are seeing me all their life and they cry and they move me. I am in a stage and I have, you know, I can't resist to cry, so I go away from the stage. So I'm very grateful to the public that uh, have so much sympathy from me, like if uh, they know me. And another thing that I must say that I was very moved when I did my first show in Moscow with my sculpture. Mm-hmm. 6,000 people, they went to see my show Saturday and 6,000 Sunday. I mean, a success that I couldn't even dream to have it. And they said to me, we thought we know you. But just after seeing your sculpture, now we can say, I know you, who you are. Because they were moved seeing my sculpture. So I couldn't be more happy than that. Well, thank you for so many great hours of movies and for this. I really appreciate it. It's an honor. Thank you. Thank you.